known to just have a little, little short, short little message. Um, Luke 11. If you re- in verse one it says, "Now it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray.'" as John also taught his disciples to pray. And then Jesus started teaching them about the Lord's Prayer, which I'm not going to go through that. That's the most famous prayer in the world. And, you know, prayed and sang by many unbelievers. So thank you, Lord, for that prayer. Um, But the cool thing about Luke and his account of it, he kept, you know, he kept going on with what Jesus was, was talking about. And that's what I want to talk a little bit here about is, is the rest of the story, uh, 5 through 13. So I just want to read that. It says, and he said to them, which, and he said to them. So you see, he said the prayer, taught them the prayer, and then he kept going. He said, and he said to them, which of you shall have a friend and go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has come to me on his journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within within, and say, Do not trouble me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give it to you. I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence he will rise and give him as many as he needs. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be open. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If then you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Okay. What I want you to do is I want you to put yourself into this Bible story and make yourself that man. Okay? Make yourself the man uh, who goes to his friend at midnight and is, is, is knocking on the door of his friend's house asking him for the, the three loaves of bread. Okay? I want you to, that's how I want you to see this. So, uh, now, now, now here's what I want to do. There's three questions. All right, question number one. This is what you're asking as that person. What was the desperation in this man's heart that caused him to be so persistent? Okay, there was, there was a desperation that caused him to go to his friend and start knocking on the door of his friend's house at midnight, which nobody wants to get no, no uh, visit at midnight. Um... What, what was that? It, it tells us right there. It's in verse 6, he says, I have nothing to set before him. I have nothing to set before him. In other words, the man had a need, and he realized within himself he couldn't meet this need. Okay? That's, that's the first thing I want us to get, that we've got to see that from our perspective, that we have a need. There's a need that God's calling us to, and we have nothing to meet that need with. Okay? Are you with me? All right. Second thing, it says it was midnight, which midnight would be a desperate hour, okay? Now, I want to ask you this question. This is, this, is a, this is a question. Could midnight in the Bible, could midnight in the Bible point to the last hour? See what I'm saying? Could midnight be pointing to the last hour? In other words, it was a desperate hour on the earth. 
There's a desperate hour. See, I see. I think maybe what Jesus was trying to show these people was was that there was a there that the midnight time in the age of 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 the earth in the age of man is a time of the last hour, and it, and it really is will become a desperate time in the earth. Are y'all with me on this? Are y'all okay? Uh, third thing: Why was there nothing in the house? Why was there nothing in the house? You're, it's, it's midnight. Here you are. It's midnight. You're desperate. You have nothing. You don't have what you need. It's midnight. This is the, you know, the time is coming to fulfillment. The earth is coming to an end. The, the return of Christ is right at the door. And here you are in this state, not having what you need at that moment. Reminds you of another Bible story called the parable of the ten virgins. Y'all, everybody remembers that. You know, five wise and five foolish. Are y'all with me? Okay. And I think this is why verse 13 is in there. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? You see that? Maybe the reason the guy didn't have anything in the house to give, and maybe the reason he was so desperate is because the Holy Spirit hadn't had His way in this person's life. You hear what I'm saying to you? Now, remember, we're that person. We're that person. So this is what I want to talk to you. I, I want to say this to you. This is, this is my message. Our desperate need of the Holy Spirit. Our desperate need of the Holy Spirit. You see, what I just try to do is put you into that man's place and get you to see that we really are desperately in need of the Holy Spirit. And we, are, we really are, I believe, living in a desperate hour, the midnight hour. And there's a demand that's being placed upon us that we don't have what we need to meet this demand. We don't have it. And the reason we don't have it is because the Holy Spirit possibly has not been able to have His way in our lives. The Holy Spirit possibly hasn't had, been able to have His way in the church. Are y'all, are y'all cool with me? Let me, let me read this, this thing here. This is a quote by Dwight L. Moody. Everybody knows who Dwight L. Moody is, right? He's one of the great Christians, you know, Bible school, great evangelist up in Chicago. This is what he talked about his experience with the Holy Spirit. He said, one day in New York, what a day. I can't describe it. I seldom refer to it. It is almost too sacred for me to name I can only say that God revealed Himself to me. I had such an experience of love that I had to ask Him to stay His hand. I had to ask Him to stay His hand. I went to preaching again. The sermons were no different. I did not present any new truth. Yet hundreds were converted. I would not be back where I was before that blessed experience if you gave me Glasgow. I think he's talking about Glasgow, Scotland. That's Dwight L. Moody talking about his experience with the Holy Spirit when he got filled with the Holy Spirit and got touched by God. That everything changed in his life and his ministry went, went forth. Now, this is an experience. Let me just say this. This is an experience that we as Christians must have. I want to say we must have this experience. This is not an optional experience. The experience of being Filled with the Holy Spirit. This experience, just like D.L. Moody had, where his life was markedly different after this experience. 
You got what I'm saying to you? So I'm preaching to you this morning about an experience. Okay? Everybody says you're not supposed to do that, but if you study Paul's messages in the, in the book of Acts, that's all he preaches about is his experience with God. Oh, even right down to the very last message he preached when he was an old man, he was still talking about this experience he had back when, when, he, was, when he first met the Lord. So don't believe the lie when people say you can't preach your experience. Okay? You can preach your experience. You should preach your experience. But Christianity is an experience. And it's experience is something we must experience. Are y'all with me? Let's get religion off of us and go for this experience in God, this experience of getting filled with the Holy Spirit. It's an experience. Now, listen to this. This is, another one. this is one of my favorite authors. He's talking about experience. This is Watchman Nee. He says, we must never rest content with objective facts. This is full of objective facts. Very, but Watchman is saying, we can't be content with that alone. We need subjective experience also. In other words, there are facts in here. We need a subjective experience with these objective facts that's written in here. Are you with me? Or are you offended? Many people are offended by this. But that experience will only come as we rest upon, this is important, divine facts. In other words, your experience must rest upon this. If it's not resting upon this, if, it's not, if this is not its foundation, then you don't have a legitimate experience, really. God's facts are the basis of our experience. God's facts are the basis of our experience. Everybody with me? So I'm preaching to you in the experience that we must have, and that is being filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay? But that experience must rest upon the facts of what the Bible says. So, said all that. Okay, I said that to get you feeling desperate, to get you to realizing, hoping you're desperate, getting a, get your eyes open that you're a desperate Christian this morning. And I find being a desperate Christian, I find being a weak Christian, I find being a failing Christian one of the best things that ever happened to me. It's when I was a successful Christian, a strong Christian, one of the worst things that ever happened to me as far as Christianity is concerned. I spent my life trying to become mature as a Christian trying to reach some goal as a Christian, when I realize my goal is to be weak. It really is to stay weak, to stay low. That's my goal. So Christ can rest upon me. All right, here's five divine facts concerning the Holy Spirit. This, you can rest on these five divine facts. Okay? I'm going to give them to you. Y'all with me? Number one, every Christian has the Holy Spirit. Every Christian has the Holy Spirit. If you're a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit. But not every Christian is filled with the Holy Spirit. Always. Paul, Ephesians 5.18. Do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. I don't go into all that, but listen, Paul was talking to Christians when he said be filled with the Holy Spirit. You got that? When he wrote the book of Ephesians, he wasn't talking to unbelievers. He was talking to Christians, and he was exhorting the Christians at Ephesus, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And, you know, everybody knows this, but the verb and all that means to be continually filled with the Holy Spirit, always filled with the Holy Spirit. That was Paul's exhortation. Now, the best analogy I've ever heard on this is given by Mr. Alpha Course himself, Nicky Gumbel. If you ever took Alpha Course, you'll remember what Nicky Gumbel said, the difference between a, person who just, a Christian who has the Holy Spirit and a Christian who's filled with the Holy Spirit. This is great. Anybody know what a gas furnace is like? You ever had a gas furnace in your house? You know what it is. Right, here it is. 
every Christian who has the Holy Spirit has the pilot light on. You ever heard a hot pilot light on a gas furnace, how it sounds? Sometimes you don't even know if it's on. You've got to put your ear up to it or, or look and smell it. It's, it's like this. It's this little bitty flame. But have you ever heard when the thermostat goes down below 74 or whatever you have your set on, what it sounds like when the gas comes on? Boom! That's the difference. See, most of us are going around like this most of the time. Honestly. And where God is saying, Woo! That's really what the difference is. I think it's a great difference. A huge difference in our life. That's why D.L. Moody was a Christian preaching the gospel. Had this experience. He was going around preaching the gospel. Not seeing much results. Seeing some results. You can't heat your house with a pilot light. If you're in Alaska and you just got a pilot light and that's all you got, you're going to freeze to death. And that's what's happened with a lot of Christianity. What happens with a lot of churches, we freeze to death because all we've got is the pilot light going. We don't have the... We need the... All the time. On a personal level and in the church. So, you got that? Credit goes to Nicky Gumbel. All right, number two. The feeling of the Holy Spirit is an experience for all believers. Everybody say all. Let me read. Let me read. Turn over to Acts. You can just let me just read a couple of verses in Acts chapter two. It says in Acts two verse four, and they were what all. Everybody say all. Filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. All were filled when the Holy Spirit was poured out. Um, Acts two verse thirty nine. Acts 2, verse 39. For the promise is to you and to your children and to what? Who? All. All who are are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. In other words, this experience is for everybody. Don't believe the lie that people try to tell you, well, they have that gift and I don't have that gift. That is not true. That's false doctrine. That's not the Bible. And if anybody tells you that, don't buy it. Now, there are other gifts of the Holy Spirit that some have and some don't have, okay? Some people, you understand what I'm saying? But this gift of being filled with the Holy Spirit is absolute experience for every Christian, for every born-again person. And anybody tells you different, they do not have a leg to stand on biblically. Are you with me? All right, number three. So that, all right, and this is sort of repetitive, but this is really the really key for us right now. I mean, I feel like this has really been the been the word that God has really given me for a couple months now. Being poor in spirit leads you to the acknowledgement of your desperate need of the Holy Spirit. Being poor in spirit leads you to the acknowledgement of your desperate need of the Holy Spirit. You got that? The man in Luke 11 we just read was desperate. There was a need in his life. There was a need that he could not meet. And it made him realize he needed something that he didn't have. And he went for it. See, God wants to bring you to a place. You know, Chuck was saying, you know, Peter failed. Everybody must fail as Christians. You must fail. You must come to failure. This is the terrible thing about what he was saying. I was sitting there thinking about when he was praying for all the people out here, you know. You know, I went through this bad time and, you know, I failed the Lord, blah, blah, blah. But you know what? God wants us to actually rejoice in that. And it's hard to rejoice in weakness. 
It's hard to rejoice in failure. Yet that is the very thing that God uses to teach us our desperate need of Him. Are you all with me on that? Because I believe what God wants to do is teach people, you're a failure. Get over it. (laughs) Yeah. You're weak. Get over it. Listen, blessed are the poor in spirit, Matthew 5, 3. Yeah, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed. You know what that poor in spirit means? I told you this a few weeks ago. Those who are poverty-stricken in their own spiritual capacity. This is the gospel message, guys. This is not the gospel message that's normally taught in churches. Churches are taught teach you this. You need to grow up and get strong. Well, I'm going to tell you, that's not the Bible. The Bible says you need to get weak. You need to recognize your weakness. Because that's when Christ rests upon you. And God actually had to send a thorn in the flesh, whatever that means for Paul, who cares what it means for him to realize and keep him in reality check because of the surpassing greatness of his revelation. And God is teaching us that the point of our weakness is the point where the Holy Spirit begins to work in our life. And we need to embrace weakness. We need to embrace failure. And it's hard to do that day in and day out. It's not natural. But God has called us to that. He's called us to weakness so that the power of Christ can rest upon us. Because when you're weak and you feel desperate and you don't have what you need, I'm stuck in Argentina and I can't get out and I want to go home. And my mom and daddy can't help me. That's being weak. Suddenly you're going to have to find God. Pull it together. You know, you need to get with God and quit falling far here. Find out what he's got to say about it. You hear what I'm saying to you? That's when it's hard. That's when it's hard. Yeah, that's when it's real. The, the, the worst I ever felt in my life was this. I was going to Cuba, and I was trapped on this air Cuban plane, and I realized I'm in big trouble because the United States government can't help me because what I'm doing is totally illegal. I shouldn't be going down there. I'm sneaking around to get there. I snuck around, went to another country to sneak in there. And I couldn't speak the language, and they hadn't, the people I was going with had me scared to death that the Cuban army was going to kill me when I got there. And I saw them guys standing there with machine guns when the plane was landing. I thought, what am I going to do? I had nobody. All my props in life had been taken away from me. I only had one thing to do, was cry out to God. And, you know, that's when God can begin to speak to a person. He gets your attention. And I believe weakness is a great attribute in our life. Um... I'm not going to read it to you, but the scripture that the Lord brought up to me was, you know, the Lord, it says in Matthew 16, Jesus absolutely, after he was resurrected, went through all this deal, he faced the disciples and it says he rebuked them. In other words, it says he scolded them harshly because they didn't believe what people had told them about the resurrection. Think about it. That was the most important thing that ever happened. And the disciples, the apostles who followed Jesus, didn't even believe that he was resurrected from the dead. Now, if you don't believe Christ is resurrected from the dead, are you a Christian? No, you're not. You, you're, you know, that's how bad of disbelief they were in. They were not believing something that could disqualify them from the kingdom of God. This is Peter, James, and John, and the rest of that bunch. And yet, what was the very Jesus scolded them for? It, and then the very next thing, what did he say to them? And go into all the world and preach the gospel to every soul. Does that not blow your mind? How somebody could be so in unbelief about something that's so important, the resurrection of Christ, and he says, you are, you not, shame on you for not believing that. 
you know, you ain't right, blah, 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 fuss down, scold and said, oh, and, yeah, and oh, by the way, now I want you to go in all the world and preach the gospel. To every soul, heal the sick, raise the dead, if something bites you, you won't hurt, you can drink poison, it won't kill you. That makes no sense. Think about it. Would you t- treat your child like that? No, you wouldn't. You'd put them on probation for three months. Yeah, take, give me the car keys. You ain't driving that car no more. So the point is, their failure is what qualified them for the Great Commission. Their failure, their unbelief, their absolutely coming to the end themselves is what really brought them in to the Great Commission. Now, that doesn't make sense from a natural plane, but that really is the way the kingdom of God works. And that is the very thing that God wants to use in your life to show you how much you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because as long as you're fat and sassy and strong, you don't feel like you need the Holy Spirit. You might give Him, yeah, it's the Lord, but not really. Now, this is number four is my favorite one. Uh, Acts 2, verse 32 and 33. God fills us with the Holy Spirit because Christ is glorified. All right, let's read that. Acts 2, verse 32 and 33. Are y'all with me? Yep. Becky, you are. She's hasn't seen me weak. He's thinking, Lord, fill him with the Holy Spirit. He's in trouble. <laughs> this Jesus God has raised up, of which we are all witnesses. Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God, Jesus is glorified, right? And having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, Jesus received it. He poured out this which you now see and hear. That is the reason. That's the reason to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus is sitting on the right hand of God. So here's what you can do. You can go to God and say this. Hey! Jesus has been glorified. Therefore, I rightfully, rightfully, I can be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's the only reason. I don't have to get on my face and beg God for six months and crawl around and gravel and fast and do all that crazy stuff. You don't have to do it. You can do it based on faith. Jesus, you've been glorified. Hey, you know, if you've been glorified, Lord, I automatically... That, those are two divine facts. Jesus has been glorified. And because Jesus is glorified, He pours out the Holy Spirit. It makes it so easy. It's just like this. Jesus died on the cross, therefore my sins are forgiven, Right? That's the reason your sins are forgiven. Because why? Christ died on the cross. No other reason, right? I'm just wanting to make sure anybody believe, you know, if you believe there's some other reason, you're messed up. Second thing, Jesus was resurrected from the dead, therefore I have new life. Right? Because Christ lives, I live. That's the only reason. Because Jesus was glorified, I can be filled with the Holy Spirit. You see, it all goes back to Jesus and what Jesus did has nothing to do with us. Are y'all with me on that? That's profound. That's Christianity. That's the three greatest points of Christianity. Forgiveness of sin. New life. Getting filled with the Holy Spirit. And it's all because of what Jesus did. It's not because of what we do. We simply believe it. We simply receive it and say, Yes, I receive this. I take this. This is rightfully mine. And the church needs to have that attitude instead of the stupid, stupid attitude that says, It's not for today. That's wrong. We're desperate. We're living in the midnight hour. And God is coming to the church. And we don't have what we need. Because we haven't allowed the Holy Spirit to have His way. Now, I really believe that. I haven't let Him have His way in my life. I haven't submitted to the Lordship of Christ. Therefore, there's these lacks that I have. Are y'all with me? Or are y'all mad? <laughs> we should be happy. 
Okay, the last, number five. God fills those who ask with the Holy Spirit. If you then, being evil, this is Luke eleven thirteen, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much will your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who what? Beg for Him? No. To those who ask for Him. You just ask based on what Christ did, and you believe it. And God will fill you with the Holy Spirit. And your life can be different from that moment. Um, and you can trust when you're asking Him. They've messed this thing up. <laughs> I messed it up. It's shorted. We can trust when we ask for the feeling and things happen. It is God and not the devil. See, because everybody gets all hung up on the tongues and on the manifest. See, I think we get off when we focusing on that. Stop it, Brian. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? We get off when we put a focus on the manifestation. Our focus should be on the Holy Spirit and trust what the Bible says. The Bible says if we ask Him, God, for the Holy Spirit, He used an example. If, you, if your child asks for a fish, He's not going to give you a stone. Right? It said that. If, you, if you, your child asks you for a loaf of bread, you're not going to give him a rock to eat his baloney in, right? Nobody would do that. So when we ask God for the Holy Spirit, we can trust that whatever happens is the Holy Spirit. We can trust that even if it's something outlandish that happens, even if it's something that's insane that happens. That's what Jesus was saying. You've got to trust when you ask for the Holy Spirit, whatever happens is from me because I'm not going to do those other things. I'm not going to give you something demonic. I'm not going to give you a snake or a scorpion. That's what he was trying to say back there in Luke. And so we put all this focus on the things that happen, and we've missed the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of grace, the Spirit of Christ, the Comforter, the person, if you read in, in, in John 14 and John 16, all these things that he does for us. We've, we've, we have missed and, and not allowed him to have his way in our life. Listen to this. This is Bill Bright. Everybody knows who Bill Bright is, right? He died. Campus Crusades for Christ. Billy Graham said this about Bill Bright. I have never seen a man on this earth who has such a, lo- a love for souls. Never. That's Billy Graham saying that. And Billy Graham had a great love for souls, so he you know, could relate. And Bill Bright died recently. But this is what Bill Bright said about the Holy Spirit, which is profound. He said this, The Holy Spirit is the key to revival. He is the key to revival because He is the key to supernatural living. You got that? He is the key to supernatural living. What Christians are called to do, live supernaturally. And apart from living supernaturally, living in the fullness of the Holy Spirit, the believer has no power to introduce others to Christ and help fulfill the Great Commission. That's profound, isn't it? That is really profound. So my exhortation to you today, if God, all those people who came out here and fell like failures, see, God, that's, the entrance is this. The entrance is, you know, yeah, you're a failure, you're a loser, you know, get over it, come on. But this is, the, this is where that's supposed to bring you to. I really need Jesus. I really need the Holy Spirit to fill me. That's what I really need in my life. So you can stay back there at the failure point. Okay? Or you can walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. Those are our choices as Christians. You hear what I'm saying to you this morning? God wants to bring us into this experience 
of being filled with the Holy Spirit. And it is not a one-time thing. It's just not, oh, I spoke in tongues and I got filled with the Holy Spirit 17 years ago and that was cool, but I've been cussing for the last 10. You know, <laughs> been speaking another kind of tongue. Bad one. That <laughs> ain't going to get it, you know. <laughs> what God wants to do every day of our life is fill us. When we wake up in the morning, Lord, fill me with the Holy Spirit today to be able to live and do all that you've called me to live and do today. And trust that He does. Don't look for a filling. Don't look for a manifestation. Just look to Jesus and trust Jesus. You hear what I'm saying to you this morning? And I bet you there's many of a pilot light sitting in here this morning. And Jesus is saying, I want to turn the heat up. It's getting cold out there. People are going to hell. I want to turn the heat up, and I need you to do it. So, anybody want to get filled with the Holy Spirit? Just want to raise your hand right quick. Good. I'm glad. Let's pray that the Lord will fill us with the Holy Spirit. Amen. So, if you really want the Lord to fill you with the Holy Spirit, stand up right where you, where you are. And in faith, in faith, okay, faith says this. We ain't going to try to manipulate God. We're not going to try to force God. We're not act, looking for some wild experience. We're looking for the experience of Jesus Christ pouring out the Holy Spirit into us and releasing Him into our very being. That's the experience we're looking for. So, Father, right now, Lord, because You're glorified, because You're sitting at the right hand of the Father right now, and, Lord, because You have been speaking to this church for a long time, and speaking to people's hearts for a long time about their utter failure, their utter weakness. And you've been trying to bring us to a revelation that we are weak vessels, that we are failures, failures. And you've even asked us to rejoice in that. But this is the reason for the rejoicing, is so that we might come and acknowledge, oh Lord, we need your Holy Spirit. We need you, Lord, to fill us, to bear to live for the life of Christ to be revealed in us, Lord Jesus. So I'm asking you, I'm asking you, Lord Jesus, fill me fresh with the Holy Spirit today. Ask Him. Just say, fill me, Lord. Fill me fresh with Your Holy Spirit. I'm inviting, I'm inviting the Spirit of Christ.